Bert, guess who's back? Back again. The thoughts inside our head, everybody. Sorry it has been so long. It's been about two months to the day since the last time we did this. Uh, we apologize for any... I'm going to take the blame on this. Um, we got into Christmas and a baby decided to come a little bit early, but... I'm going to stop um, you right there. I'm stopping you right there. You have no reason to be um, uh, apologetic or to blame. Even though we have uh, had thousands and thousands of you uh, listeners out there sliding in our DMs asking for the next episode. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's all fair and reasonable why we haven't uh, put one out in a minute. But uh, nonetheless, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. And that's the reason why we're doing this is because the thousands of our fans, we, we feel like we owe it to you for you for us to jump on here and be some mic jockeys really quick and kind of fill you in because a, lot a lot's been going on, Berg. Um, the last time we had a conversation, we were in the middle of that stretch where we were a couple games over 500 and everyone was calling uh, for Mike's head to trade them. And that was, what, the first half of December and a lot has changed since then. We peeled off that win streak, something like 19 of 21. I don't know if those numbers are right. Um, but it was a really fun time to be a Jazz fan. And then recently we dropped five games in a row and it wasn't a very fun time to be a Jazz fan and felt like the world was ending. But we kind of got back on track here before the All-Star break and peeled off four good wins. Uh, wins against the Blazers, Rockets, Mavericks, and Heat. And those are all good teams and we feel pretty good about things. So that's a very brief recap about what's been going on. But I think we need to drill into it a bit. And Berg, I think in the best way you can, you should tell me your thoughts on the team so far and, and the year so far. Dude, all I know is I've been on some pretty crazy roller coasters in my life, you know, in various places, Bush Gardens, Disneyland, Harry Potter World, you name it. You know, I've, I've seen, I've fought my fair share of Dementors on the, the Harry Potter ride, but I'll be honest, man, this, this season has been insane. I think, honestly, yes, yeah, so our last pod was in December. It was December 11th, I remember. It was on my birthday. We played the Wolves that night, and we had just gotten back from, like, dropping five and just getting the doors blown off of us against Toronto and Philly and the Bucks. Actually, the Bucks game was close, but the Pacers killed us. I can't remember who else, but it was really ugly. And then, yeah, literally on that day, we played the Wolves right after we finished potting and we rattled off a ton. And that was honestly a super high point um, of the season. It was in the back of our heads. I think all of us, all rational jazz fans anyway, kind of thought like, all right, we haven't played any awesome teams. Granted, we did beat the Clippers um, in very, uh, convincing fashion and uh, we beat the Pacers as well in that streak and then a bunch of other kind of kind of trash teams that we should beat but uh, yeah man it was it was kind of a crazy time obviously you know we, we traded our beloved Dante Exum about two weeks I think it was on uh, when was it it was it was on the day after Christmas December 26th before the heat game and so lots and lots of uh, changes and then, of course, like you said, we dropped, you know, five games that were honestly served up on a platter to us, you know, with teams being either on a back-to-back or missing key guys or what have you when we blew them all. And that was probably the lowest of the lows. That was like the, all right, stop the freaking ride. I want to throw up. And then, you know, lo and yeah. behold, we get a we get a little gift against Portland. Uh, we win that game. And then 
um, you know, blessed bogey hits a, a clutch three to put us over with Houston. And now we were kind of rolling a little bit, beat the Mavs and then have an awesome game against the heat. So, you know, I think it's a consistent, uh, it's still kind of an identity crisis thing, trying to figure out who we are because Mike's been in out of the lineup and we added Clarkson and it's like, uh, you know, Joe and, and Royce are getting used to their positions. And I know I'm rattling on right here, but I think there's just kind of a lot that's in flux and I don't think we've even hit our ceiling yet. Real quick, was that bogey shot one of the best shots you've ever seen in jazz history? Oh my gosh, dude. It was, I mean, it was, it was so unreal. Like, because first of all, PJ Tucker hit that three with just like, what, a couple seconds left? What was it? Five seconds or whatever it was. And I didn't. Right. Yeah. It was, I think we had a second left. Yeah. I I can't believe Russ even saw him there. And then, oh yeah, I guess it was, it was 1.6. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but then dude, we were watching it at my, uh, at my grandma's house and our whole family was there and. The, you know, the shot went up and literally the entire room just exploded. It was kind of fun to be amongst amongst <laughs> the family and just have everybody go nuts. And it was it was so needed, dude, because that, that game, I mean, obviously playoff implications. We only play them three times. And if we lost to them for a second time there, we lose the head-to-head. And heaven knows we don't want to deal with them in the playoffs, or at least if we do, we want home court. But it was so cool. What, what do you think about it? Yeah. Um, different story for me. I was sitting on my bed watching on my phone as Emily was trying to put Jamie to sleep and I quiet yelled which wasn't so quiet and ran around the room and made Emily watch it and it really was just because you you get so down like it was after PJ hit that top hit that shot you're just like here we go again you know and you're on the lowest of lows and then immediately to the highest of highs and it was just incredible to watch incredible to be a part of um the text that came through um sorry for my wife's eyes who had to read uh, what was coming from all sorts of jazz fans that <laughs> I have numbers of, but um, it was it was so so much fun. Um, but I kind of want to go back to what you were saying about the roller coaster and who we are as a team. And that identity identity crisis is a, is a perfect way to say it because we don't know who we are. But one thing's for sure is when we're good, we look really good, and when we're bad, we look really really bad and kind of going into that vacuum of the five games that we just played on the, the the losing streak I think the most frustrating thing about those games and this was at the beginning of the season two is we were losing but it was how we were losing we looked like disinterested we 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 weren't hustling for the ball um we we weren't we were kind of walking into our sets instead of like showing any signs of urgency. And I think we were just a little burnt out. I don't know if that's from the long wind streak and, and the, I don't know what like the mental is on the team and how, how much capacity that takes um, night in and night out to win. And then eventually just have a, a natural lull after that. But um, it was really frustrating. And I got to give a shout out to our boy, Donnie uh, during that Portland game, something clicked in him to where he just really wanted to win that game. And he wasn't necessarily hitting, knock, knocking down all the shots, but he was doing a lot of little things in the game to make sure that we were in a position to win at the end. I mean, he was boxing out guys of, like as hard as he can. They were a foot taller than him. He was hustling for every single ball. He just had this like killer mentality that was wearing off on the team. And I think that might help, might have helped us kind of kickstart this team back into that four-game win streak. So shout out to Donnie for being a leader there. Dude, I'm glad you highlighted that because, yeah, it was, it was really the just the small things, you know, jumping, just going all out for rebounds and just playing with a ton of energy. And 
you know, I think that's, that's it's super contagious in all sports. You know, when somebody's out there giving it their all, like it makes everybody else want to get involved and, and do their thing. And it was such a weird malaise in those games. Um, it's really hard to like, I don't know. I really don't know what caused it. You know, of course, people are out there saying, you know, oh, it's Conley's fault. And I think I think it's crazy to put that on Conley. I mean, maybe maybe there's yeah. an argument to like, obviously, you know, Joe has a diminished role because Conley and Donnie are going to be the primary uh, ball handlers with the starting lineup. And then, of course, you've got Clarkson, who is pretty ball dominant off the off the bench. And so Joe is, you know, kind of turns up to us, turns into a spot up shooter because he's running less pick and roll. And so indirectly, you know, Con- Conley's obviously been playing awesome. Um, but indirectly, maybe Joe is still still trying to find uh, a level of comfort in a role with Conley on the team and not being a, a primary ball handler. And then Royce, I think it's just kind of a kind of a fluke thing. I don't know. Maybe he got paid, and you know, of course, the, the classic joke is he got paid and he doesn't want. To, he's not going to try hard anymore, which I think is kind of ridiculous because yeah. he did play great last yeah. night. But it's uh, it's one of those things where we need we need Conley to be functioning, you know, at a at a very high level, but we also need Joe and Royce to be to be there too, and hopefully they're not mutually exclusive, uh, you know, uh, results. Yeah. Well, on the the subject of Conley, he's looked good the past few games he's played he looks quick he has that quick first step again he's he's just putting the ball in the I think he just needed to see the ball go in and now that that's happened more consistently um the last few games his numbers have been great I think what is it he's shooting like almost 50 percent from three and 50 percent from the field um over like the, the past 10 games he's played so I think Conley's really starting to turn it on uh Conley and Rudy's pick and roll is getting stronger which is what we've been waiting for uh this entire time I think what we need to help Joe if he's going to be playing with a lot the the bench rotation is we need to get him a player that he can run the pick and roll with because uh, TB's just not it uh, he's he's just not the guy that we need to be running an offense through with Joe and I think if we get someone more complimentary to him uh, maybe these Joe disappearing acts won't be as frequent but what do I know Kolb? Um there's another thing I kind of want to get into here real quick and I can't believe I'm going to say this but it needs to be said. Um, I think we need to have the conversation that's that's a case in defense for Donovan Mitchell. And I can't believe I just said that sentence. But because of Andy Larson and his slimy little worms all over Twitter and and um, night in and night out, we have people calling for Donovan's head, which is mind-boggling to me. Absolutely mind-boggling. Because do we know how special Donovan is, Berg? Like, do you think our fan base truly knows how special this kid is? Dude, that's what's insane. I, f- I feel like... This soapbox that we're standing on right here is going to bust because we climb on it every single podcast. It just sucks that we have to do it because, I mean, it's self-evident. Like, people, honestly, it's the – they're just so used to greatness at this point that now they're – I mean, people are just extremely nitpicky because Donovan, you know, now his best games that he had his first year, like when everybody was in awe, that's commonplace now. And so now – you know, if yeah. if if he doesn't have you know uh, a twenty five to twenty a thirty point game, you know, going what do you, I think last night he was like nine for sixteen, which is which is pretty solid um, with uh, you know shooting fifty percent from three, the whole sky is falling. But it's it's just crazy because it just shows how little of the NBA people actually watch. Because if they look around, they'll see nights where Harden, the best offensive player in the league, goes one for fifteen. They'll see where Dame, you know, hits has, has ten points. But no one freaks out about that because it's the NBA and the NBA is hard. Yeah. And people 
for whatever reason, all they do is watch the Jazz, and and when Donovan isn't, uh, you know, in basically God mode every game, it frustrates people. It's it's ridiculous. Right. So, I think one thing to point on too is Donovan. Yeah, he has bad games. It's true. And the thing about his bad games is it hurts the team a little bit more because he's so important to the offense, and it's more apparent to the team, and you can recognize that. And and I will say Donovan does have bad games, but what makes Donnie special? It, and it's very, very special and very rare in this league. It doesn't happen very often, but he's one of the few players that no matter what the three or three and a half quarters were like for him, he can go to a place and finish games almost perfectly. So I wanted to back myself up on this a little bit, so I ran some numbers here, Berg. Um, so so sit tight, I guess, while I spew some things. I'm up on the soapbox with you right now, so I'm going to spew some things down onto our listeners to anyone who's talked crap on Donovan. So from NBA.com. Splash zone. Let's go. Splash zone. Let's do it. Let's do it, Berg. Okay, so NBA.com's advanced stats. Crunch time is defined as the final five minutes of a game that the point differential is five points or less, right? So really tight games. I threw on a filter um, because I wanted to see guys who get used the most in these situations. So I threw on a filter of. Buckle up, buckle up bowler situations. (laughs) Go ahead. Buckle up bowler situations. So I threw in a filter of people who have taken 50 or more shots in these situations. So these are go-to guys um, for teams in the league. We're talking the LeBrons, the Dames, the Kyries, uh, CP3, Doncic, Harden, like all those guys were on, on this list. And here's what the stats told me. Donovan Mitchell is third. One point out of being second in total points scored in crunch time. Pretty good stat, right? But, I mean, there there is a caveat to this stat. It could just be mean that he's just hucking shots. So, here's another stat to back me up. He's fourth in field goal percentage on this list. So, he's taking, he's making shots. He's taking and making shots. And the one that really sticks out to me is that he's fourth in overall plus minus in these situations. So, he's putting the team on his back. And he's winning us games in the fourth. The kid's a winner. The kid's a gamer. I'm not here for any Donnie slander. How dare this... Honestly, I will say this right now. How dare this fan base get this kid who falls in their lap, who wants to better the community, who wants to bring a championship to Utah. How dare we have the audacity to try and run him out of Salt Lake? You don't see... Like you said, you don't see Portland fans getting on Dame's back when he has bad games or Houston fans get on Harden's back when he has bad games. So, reverse shout-out to Andy Larson and his negative tweets about some floater that he took that wasn't smart in the second quarter. I hate how that opens the floodgates. You guys can all FOH. Donovan Mitchell wins us games in the fourth. Not very many players in the league do that for teams at our caliber who are playoff contenders. Get off his back. No more. And to add on to that, I mean, he helps. He could obviously, so essentially piggybacking on what you just said, he is... He's like the ultimate person to have in a fourth quarter because, okay, let's think. Um, against the Rockets, Quinn drew a play up for Bogey. Bogey hits the shot. Obviously, Donovan's the leader. He's the star of the team. Who's the happiest person on the court right there? It's probably Donovan. Like, he absolutely loves it. He loves watching his team have success. He's 100% fine with Clarkson, you know, doing his Clarkson thing and, and getting buckets in, in crunch time. You know, he let Mike. I think he bully balled Russ three times in the post uh, with, you know, a few minutes left. Like, 
it was awesome because Donovan, he understands where mismatches are. He understands what the right play is. He's going to excel in his role, and he's going to support everybody else on the team to excel in theirs. And so not only is he, he getting buckets on his own, but he's contributing to everybody else's greatness in, in the same quarter. So need, need we say more, Pruitt? I guess, I, I guess not. I guess that's our defense for our freaking all-star that we have to defend somehow for our fan base. Um, I know. A few more Jazz Talk things, Berg. Uh, mostly, we we talk a lot of, about Donovan, but um, I think the MVP so far is Rudy Gobert. Um, it's insane how good our defense is with him, and it's insane how bad we can be without him. What was the stat last night? Like our defensive rating was eighty two with with Rudy on the floor, and it jumped up to like one nineteen when he was off. I don't know if those are exactly correct, but it's about that disparity. Um, I couldn't be happier for this guy making the All-Star game just from what he's been through, um, where he was drafted. He was just this lanky uh, stick in the mud, basically, and we turned him into... Well, I mean, this we didn't turn him into it. Um, Quinn and the t- and, and the coaching staff and Rudy's hard work, he's an All-Star in this league, and, and I think it's incredible what he does for this team. Uh, if he goes down, our team goes down. Shouts, shouts to Rudy. Berg, do you have any color on Rudy for me? Dude, nothing but respect for Rudy. He's he definitely is our MVP. I mean, it is night and day, you know, both offensively and defensively when he's on and off the court. Um, I mean, even Cantor, Ennis Cantor is tweeting out that, that Rudy's an All Star, and their their beef that they had, uh, you know, isn't isn't a secret. Um, you know, when Cantor was here, so you know, when you've got your enemies tweeting out that you know, showing support for for Rudy's All Star uh, qualification, then you know you're doing something right. And yeah, I mean. It's just it's just incredible, you know. I mean, it goes without saying, but it, it, when like Jimmy Butler was driving last night, he I mean he had a good game, but most of uh, you know his his uh, scoring came nowhere near Rudy. Anytime he was near yeah. Rudy, his eyes would get up and he'd have to pull up and shoot. Or even Bam, same thing. Yeah, sure, Bam had a dunk, but I mean, Rudy Rudy impacts the you know the games in such an insane way that. It's, it goes without yeah. saying. It's, it's so cool, and I can't be happier for him. Couldn't be happier yeah, for him. Yeah, I can't him. wait for his Suns fans to throw that into their montage of Rudy getting dunked on. Heaven forbid that a center in the league gets dunked on every once in a while, even though he's back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, call us when you win games, Phoenix. Please, call us then. I'm, I'm still, I still feel like the verdict's out there. The I feel like Suns fans, the Loch Ness Monster, and, and the Bigfoot like are all kind of in the same category. Like, are, Do those exist? <laughs> I don't know, man. You lived there for a little bit, and I don't think you saw any. I remember. I remember my third grade teacher. Shout out to Mr. Preble. I remember he was a he was a Suns fan. Um, I wonder if even though it doesn't really get cold down there, if Suns fans just kind of go into hibernation when the team's not good. Because back then they had Barkley and Kevin Johnson and whatever. But yeah. like Bears go into hibernation kind of up north, and I think Suns fans maybe go in and. Maybe they'll come out when when Devin Booker has a, a seventy point show out in a twenty point loss. I don't know, but <laughs> dude, yeah. I mean, at least we know that Devin Bur- Booker has a career in politics after because Suns fans love their players so much. If they're somewhat above average, they're governor or mayor or whatever for twenty years. So, um, I guess they're passionate. We can give them that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if you're like used to like dealing with a two. Uh, it, on the one to ten scale, you know, at all times, not necessarily referring to hotness scale in this case, but just you know, two in general. And then all of a sudden, you you jump up to a four, even though it's a four is still terrible. It's twice as good as where you were, and so you just kind of, uh, it, I think you just kind of overblow things a little bit, and that's kind of what Booker's done with them. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
he scores. He's good. He he got in because Dame got out, so good for him. He's there. Um, a few more things on the Jazz. Shout out to Bogey. Um, what do you think? Is he the best signing this for the price for the players? He the best signing uh, this offseason for any team? Dude, I mean, you look at the other signings. I mean, you think of uh, other major impact players that have moved. Well, I mean, there, obviously there's Horford, who probably hasn't played up to his contract yet. Um, you've got, and obviously there's the big name guys like Paul George and Kawhi, even though Paul George was a trade, but Kawhi, like, of course they're making max money and probably earning max money, but Bogey's obviously not on the max and, and severely outperforming, you know, the contract that he's on. So, I mean, off the cuff, I'd say, I'd say yeah. he's definitely up there and he's way, he's, he's honestly been way better than I expected. Um, obviously there were some growing pains at the first between he and Donnie just trying to, to, figure out how they're going to operate with each other but I think they've kind of got a little bit of a system going and Quinn is getting them each a a good amount of shots I think Bogey had I don't know how many like 17 shots last night and Donnie had 16 and it didn't need none of them seemed forced they just seemed within the offense and so huge credit to Quinn and 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 both those guys for you know playing right yeah um he's been fun to watch he's he's a goofball um just so happy we didn't take on that Harris oh. Max contract that everyone was talking about. Um, basically, stat for stat, Bogey's better and about half the money. So, um, like we said, Mike's coming around. He has that quickness. He's scoring 20 points in the last few games he's played in. A random shout out to Moutier Berg. I think you can talk about this, but talk about how Moutier has been so accommodating to his role. Dude, Moutier is awesome, man. Like, he got to, he had a great game against uh, Dallas. He and Clarkson kind of. You know, when our legs were kind of running out of steam, like Moutier obviously has lost his his minutes to Mike. His Mike's been back, so Moutier came in fresh and, and played an awesome game against the Mavs. And um, that was his, he he's well, he's from the Congo, but his family lives in Dallas. And so um, after the game, in the post game interview, they were just kind of talking. You know, someone asked him. I think it was Locke asked him. You know, how have you how have you dealt with you know losing your minutes? And you know, Moutier was he handled it like just honestly, an incredible pro. It was it was pretty cool. He was like. He's like, honestly, you know, I came here expecting to get less minutes than I've had. Obviously, you know, he came from New York where he was their leading scorer and one of their leading minute guys. And then Denver, he, you know, started there too. So he said, I expected to, and this is paraphrased, by the way, to, to take a hit to my minutes. And so, you know, ultimately I, I did it because I wanted to grow under Quinn's system. I wanted to learn in the organization and I wanted to improve my game. And he's like, you know, obviously playing is, is something I love to do and I, I'd love to be out there, but at the same token, like being on the bench and sitting next to Quinn and learning and being kind of a coach from the bench, um, you know, is something that I can take and, and improve my game as well. And so he's like, of course, you know, I want to be ready. I'm always locked in, ready to play. And, uh, you know, he's happy that he was able to do it against the Mavs. But at the same time, he, he knew what he, he said he essentially knew what he was signing up for in a way and um, has embraced the role, you know, with, with the utmost class and professionalism. So shout out to, to Moutier. Yeah, shout out to Moutier. Um Another story on the Jazz we haven't talked about because it's been so long is Jordan Clarkson. I think that's the biggest story so far. We turned Dante Exum, who didn't play that much. I mean, shout out to Dante. I love Dante. Um, But Jordan's just fitting better. He's scoring off the bench. He's that assassin that we need that comes in and gets us buckets on that second unit. Um, But one thing I think, not talking about Jordan's play, just talking about him and where he fits in this team because, you know, what we, we focus on on this team is the strength of our team is our team. And there's such an amazing locker room camaraderie going on in Utah right now that is so fun to, to watch from an outside point of view as a fan. But Jordan just kind of 
immediately gelled. That first game he came and played and scored however many points is around like, what was it, like 18 points or whatever. He didn't have any run with the guys. He just came in and it kind of gelled immediately and he was having fun with the guys on the bench. But uh, the the little bromance that sparked from this that I get the biggest kick out of is him and Quinn. I mean, Quinn said in an interview, he said, I love Jordan. Like he, he, said, he said that. And one thing we noticed, we were both at the game, not together, but we were at the game last night and uh, there was that botched possession at the end of the third where Jordan kind of lost the ball and threw up a crazy shot and he comes down the court like emphasizing like my bad my bad and Quinn just gave him like a very fatherly like it's okay it's okay gesture back to him and it's really fun to watch and it's kind of it's kind of nice to see uh, Quinn has that ability to bring players onto this team and really buy into him and buy into his system and get him to play the type of basketball that we need to win. Yeah, man, it's the, even just the evolution of, of Clarkson on the team. Obviously, he's a bucket getter. But one thing that Donovan said last night is, you know, they always knew that he was going to be able to score and he was a scorer. But they're all just they were all super impressed with um, his intensity on defense. And yeah, he doesn't he doesn't quite have the defensive capabilities that you would expect or that you would that you would need in like an elite defender. And Clarkson is far from that. But the effort, um, you know, the efforts there on every possession. The dude is the energizer bunny. He's he's a spark in, in both directions and. I mean, he's clearly a positive, and you know it sucks because we we've all been so high on Dante, and you know we we got glimpses of what he could become, and you know ultimately we still wish him nothing but the best in Cleveland. He had a twenty-eight point game, like his third or fourth game, and then he's been averaging like three or four points since then, which is is kind of kind of sad, and hopefully he breaks through there. But it's kind of a weird situation, but you know it's a huge upgrade, like a beyond beyond huge, going from literally. Dante couldn't get off the bench, so now we've got a guy who's averaging 25 and is that spark. So, um, yeah, Clarkson's the man. I, I love it. He's he's beloved by, you know, everybody from Donovan to Ingles to you name it. Like, he's been embraced by the team, and um, I think I think it's awesome. And I, I really hope that, you know, it gets to a point where the playoffs, he has some awesome moments and, um, you know, can really capture the hearts of the fan base even more than he has. And hopefully we can find a way to uh, to lock him up for more than just the end of this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that should be a priority is re-signing him uh, if the price is We've right. We've got his bird rights, so we can uh, means we can go into the luxury tax and, and pay him a little extra. Um, you know, one one benefit is there's a lot the, the teams out there right now that are going to have flexibility this off season aren't really good teams, and so you know if Clarkson has success here and we're willing to uh, to pay him for you know for what he's done for us and. I, th- I think there's a, a decent chance that we could get him further. And when we first traded for him, I thought it was just kind of a one-and-done deal, like he'd be gone. But, uh, I mean, this has gone way better than I think pretty much everybody imagined, maybe even Dennis Lindsay and yeah. Justin Zanuck. So shout-out to them for taking the jump and being all in. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a, it's been a great trade. Um, so let's just jump into what we feel like is not working. And for me, it's pretty evident that our second unit, we just don't have a center that that is even close. I mean, it's hard to say. This is stupid to say because no one's close to Rudy on defense as a center, really. There's only a few, a handful of players that are that good. But the drop-off and the amount of points we hemorrhage when he's not on the floor is an issue. And I think if we could find someone, and it might be Brant. I think we should give Brantley some minutes, but we need that big, whether it's a four or a five, that can come in, play some bully ball, uh, get physical on rebounds, give a few nasty, cheeky fouls, um, but someone who can just come in and, and, and we lost that nasty. We, we lost that nasty when uh, Favors left and we lost it when Jay left. We don't have that guy who can come in and bully a little bit. And I think if we can find that 
Um, it's going to have to be with some. I don't know if we're going to sign anyone from the uh, waiver wire or whatever the the buyout period, but um, I don't know. I feel like if we can find something that works there, then we do have a chance to make some sort of noise in the postseason. If we don't, then I don't know. Maybe like a second round exit um, is what what terrifies me the most. But uh, what are your thoughts on what's not working? Dude, I- I'm with you there. I mean, the it sucks. The lane, honestly, when t- when when uh, Rudy's out, the lane looks like a freaking Chick Fil A drive-through on a night after the opposing team misses two free throws, dude. It's just people are lining up, and it's just—I mean—they just get freaking buckets constantly because Tony can't do anything. We need somebody in there that's going to make make opposing players think twice about uh, about driving to the rack. And you know, Brantley—he's—he is a little undersized, I think, but you know, hopefully, obviously, he's—he's he's huge when. Um, took a little trip to Portland to watch that Portland game and Brantley was getting a ton of work in on the floor before the game and uh, we, we were just sitting sideline watching him do his thing before we went to our seats and I mean he is a monster like he's clearly thicker and stronger than pretty much anybody else on the floor um, so I don't know you know I mean obviously Quinn knows best and the, the organization knows best so there's probably some reason why he's not getting any run but uh, it, it would be nice to uh, nice to see what he can do because physically it looks like he's got it and you know, in the G League, he's hitting threes and doing things that he needs to be, you know, as an offensive threat. And who knows, maybe he can run a little, you know, pick and roll with Joe, kind of a la Favors did, um, you know, back in the day to help Joe. But I, I don't know. I'd like to see something there because, I mean, we've talked about this. I thought maybe, you know, Udo, who was hanging out in Houston with the Jazz guys, um, he was he was sitting behind the bench and having a good time. And, you know, I thought that he might be a buyout candidate because he does defend the rim really well. And, um, you know, we got great minutes from him you know, a couple of years ago for a couple of seasons. And I don't know if the fit, if he just doesn't want to come back or if we don't want him back or what, but you know, defensively he, he'd be great offensively. I mean, he might, you might as well put a scarecrow out there, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's not as bad as Ed Davis on offense. Like he's somewhat serviceable. It's true. It's true. I think he's better than Ed Davis. I love yeah, Ed, but I love that too. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, anything else we want to touch on? Anything? Any final thoughts on the Jazz that we want to talk about from from you, dude? Just, uh, I mean, when we come back, big games. I mean, hopefully we we get rested and we've got uh, the Spurs on the twenty first on a Friday at home, and then the next night is arguably the biggest game of the season thus far. Um, it's a home game against Houston, and we only play them three times this year, and this will be the third game. So, if we don't win, uh, I mean, it's it's huge. We need to win it for the for the tiebreaker, of course. So if we end up heaven forbid at the four or five seed um you know we want to actually uh, win that to have home court advantage and just you know in general because i hate them so just want to shout out our two guys going to the all-star break this weekend hope everyone tunes in um very happy for donnie very happy for rudy hard work pays off for them donovan was a both of them i guess came out of nowhere or at least overperformed by far where they were drafted I think it shows how good our front office is at finding talent and how good Quinn is in getting that talent to show on the court. So um, I think it's a win for the organization, just not those two guys. So shout out to Donnie, shout out to Rudy. Everyone go watch him this weekend. I love those guys. Um, NBA talk. Do you want to get into the NBA a little bit about what's been going on? Yeah, dude. I think uh, we can we can touch kind of briefly on on the the status of things as we we hit. I would. I mean, it used to be the halfway point, but it's not anymore. You know, the All Star break is yeah. just like you said. It's we've got what thirty something games left or less. So yeah, a little a little past halfway. Yeah, I mean, 
I think the West, you know, obviously is, is the bloodbath that everybody expected and that it's been the last, you know, for, for a while where the Jazz are fourth in the standings. Um, they're literally they're, – they have one less win and one more loss than the Clippers for third. So just obviously one game difference there. Um, so that's that's kind of big. You know, obviously ideally we can we can get that – win enough games to get that second, uh, that second uh, spot in the standings, the second seed. Um, but it's going to come down to the wire. I mean, we played Denver the last game of the season, so um, the West really is insane. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what everyone thought. I, th- I think it's kind of starting to fall into place like everyone thought it would, uh, team record-wise and where the standings are. Um, I mean, the Clippers aren't record-wise like blowing everyone away like when they got Paul George and Kawhi. Everyone said that they were going to run away with the league. Hasn't happened. Uh, both L.A. teams look really good. We look up and down, but overall really good. Denver, again, I feel like they're they're gearing up for a really good um, regular season and then not so good postseason just with the way that team's built. But I guess the only real only big hope. surprise is Portland's not as good as I thought they'd be. They're actually fighting for a playoff spot right now, but granted, they've been beat up, I guess, to say the least. <laughs> that team's kind of patched together. Um, yeah. Dame's a freak. Uh, we, we saw it firsthand how much of a freak he is two nights in a row, basically. Um, the East just is the East. Uh, I think Milwaukee's better than I thought they'd be, as funny as that sounds, as good as the season they had last year. But um, they lost Brogdon, so you think they wouldn't be as good, but they are. Uh, Giannis, Giannis, watching Giannis is kind of frustrating because he pushes off in the lane almost every possession or travels, gets away with it. Um, not complaining. He's a freak. He seems like a good guy. Probably be the MVP again this year. Uh, let's see what else. Berg, what's going on? Oh, Philly's not that good, which I kind of revel in a little bit because I don't like them. Um, but I kind of like them not being, you know, like a one or two seed in the in the East. So that's cool. I love it, dude. On our on our unreleased pod that uh, with preseason projections with Carl and Tom. Shout out to Carl and Tom. Um, one of my hot takes was that Philly wouldn't be that good. It, they wouldn't be, uh, you know, a one or two seed like a lot of people were, were expecting and because I thought they couldn't shoot, and that's definitely shown to be a problem now. So hopefully that continues to be right. Alec Burke, shout out to AB, got traded there. Yeah. Um, so now he's hanging out with Neto. So, uh, yeah, watch him do this, though. Watch yeah, him do watch, that. Watch Houdini do that, and uh, hopefully they <laughs> do well enough to make themselves look good and, and continue to make money, and but not well enough to propel the Sixers into any sort of um, goodness. Yeah, and then for me, just a quick shout out. I have a huge player crush on Ja Morant. I think he might be the next great point guard, but he is he's going to be a ticket seller. This kid's awesome. Sees the game really well. Uh, he jumps out of the gym. Um, he has fight in him. He's already talking crap on. Who was it that they were go- going back and forth? Was it the Warriors he was going after? No, Iguodala. Well, he was oh, – they, they're, they're yeah. basically – yeah. Either way, kid's awesome. Oh, yeah, so great. No, he's, he's cool. Um, he's – I mean, he's been – pretty much the main reason that Memphis is has that eighth seed right there and we'll see if they can hold on with uh with Portland and San Antonio and the Pelicans all vying for it they're they're you know five games back at this point so who knows exactly what's going to happen but we will see we will see um in not so fun news and this is an older story now but um the whole Kobe Bryant thing I think I I was that the the day it happened the day we found out I almost like called you and said hey let's do like an emergency pod over this let's talk about it but kind of came to the conclusion in my mind that you need to let it settle um, get those initial like 
shock feelings out of your system to talk about it. Because every, I mean, it was it was a news cycle all over the place. Obviously, it still is. Um, but what it really comes down to is just it's it's still surreal what happened. I think we should just give a little bit of our thoughts around Kobe Bryant um, as jazz fans, as kids growing up um, in the early two thousands, or what he meant to us, what he meant to basketball. We can keep this pretty brief because everything that's probably needed to be said has been said by someone else in some sort of capacity but Cole just kind of give me your thoughts on Kobe dude so to start off um that Sunday that it, that it happened it was and and then the following Monday the, the, obviously the few days after it was so surreal um it actually I, I was actually way more sad about it than I than I ever expected to be or that I you know if, if someone said you know hey you know this were to happen like I'd, you know I'd be I don't know I I was I was really bummed out about it um and I, I still can't pinpoint exactly why. Um, obviously, you know, Kobe was kind of a, I mean, he was a mainstay in, in really all of our lives, you know, as basketball fans. He, I mean, I remember, I remember the first sports game I ever got was, I think it was, it was like Madden, like, I don't even know, 95 or something. And I got rid of it because I couldn't figure out, I didn't understand what the plays were, how to select a play. <laughs> but my, my first real sports <laughs> game that I got into was uh, Kobe Bryant's NBA courtside or Kobe Bryant courtside, whatever it was oh, called. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's, that, I remember, I remember going to Hollywood video and buying that game. And that was like the first like sports game that I ever actually really got into. And, you know, obviously, you know, we had, uh, we, I remember playing the Lakers um, as super young and beating them. My crush in kindergarten was a huge Lakers fan in Arizona. And I just loved it when we, we beat them uh, to start, like to start off Kobe's career. We swept them. I remember. And then um, pretty much from, 2000 onward uh they just destroyed us and you know it was just weird kobe kobe was kind of the killer and so i never i never could say i liked him i always feared him i always i respected him but uh he was never someone that i i I could even Mm -hmm. necessarily marvel at because i just got sick of uh you know got sick of losing to him and so i don't know man and then to, to have that happen he seemed invincible especially since he retired you know he was kind of the uh he was kind of the last man, you know, carrying on the tradition of, I don't want to say he just epitomized hard work and competitiveness and like the desire to win and kind of the, I mean, the Mamba mentality really. And, and that was something that I really respect. And it's, uh, I mean, I could talk for him another million years, but it, uh, it, it, it's so sad. I remember we talked about it a little bit when it was happening. You and I had it, we were, we were texting through the entire thing and, we both kind of had a moment where I think you went on a walk and I was driving and we didn't listen to music or anything. We kind of sat in our thoughts about Kobe. Um, and I, and one thing you, you brought up that I, I agree with is why it's so weird and why it's so surreal is Kobe's this personification of hard work and just being so determined that you become great. Not taking away any of his talent, but he took it to a next level where, you know, you like Kobe is synonymous with so many things. I mean, you're throwing every time you shoot a piece of paper at the trash can, you yell Kobe. He's, he's as upper echelon as sports as someone can get. And he was such a legend and, and that competitiveness and desire, it made him seem immortal. And then you find out in a very hard way that he wasn't. And it, it made, it made things so like insignificant, I guess is the right word. Like you just felt like 
Like, how how is this possible for someone like Kobe Bryant to just be so... He's so fragile like everybody else. And, I mean, Kobe Bryant, the Laker, a good way to just talk about him is you don't... I don't know. I guess you don't realize how much your love for the game is created by your hate for a player. And I mean that in every amount of respect as I can. I hated him because he was so good. I hated him because what he did to us. Um, and it was it was really hard. And then, and then just going down with the other families and the kids. And it just, it turns it into just one of the more horrific tragedies. Not in sports, just just in like pop culture or in, 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 you know, celebrity history, like ever really. I mean, it's, it's the sports world's princess Diana. It's, it's just terrible. Yeah, man. It's, it really is. Uh, it really is crazy. Um, it's funny. You mentioned that walk that I went on and that drive that you went on, you know, just thinking about like how many lives he touched for you know all the many things that he did of course you know for whether it's winning championships or because people respected his his desire and you know you you hear all these stories about how like you know he he got up honestly looking to squeeze them all the possible juice out of every single day um you know he got up early he lifted he worked out he you know did his family thing he he literally it's super cliche to say, but he did live every day like it was his last. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a look in the mirror moment for me, you know, it's like, all right, well, what, you know, what kind of things am I leaving on the table? What potential do I have that, you know, I'm taking for granted because I'm just kind of kicking around, sitting on my couch, looking at my phone. Like, what are some things that I can do to, you know, make sure I'm getting out of the day, everything that I can. And, you know, I think that was in, in a weird way that I don't know why it took his death um, for me to, to have that, that kind of introspection. But, you know, now I think, I mean, it sounds cheesy to say, but I, I do try and wake up with, you know, a little more, a little more vigor, you know, for the day, trying to, you know, make sure that I am doing everything that I can, you know, that I'm present, that I'm, you know, where I am mentally and physically at the same time, instead of being distracted and, and living in some other reality. And I think, uh, I think that's important for every, you know, all of us that we can all maybe yeah. do a little bit better. And that was, that was one thing that's good takeaway, Berg. I like that. Yeah, man. I think, uh, you know, obviously his legacy will live on and, and hopefully the Mamba mentality and, you know, whether it's in basketball or in life that we can all, uh, you know, all do a little bit better to be the best, whether it's, uh, you know, to be the best at whatever we're doing, that we're giving it our all, you know, in family and in life and, and fun and play. And I think, I think that's important and we'll all live more fulfilling lives if we do. Yeah, for sure. Um, can we change it to something happy now? Dude, let's do it. All right, dude. I'm a dad. Please. I'm a dad. You're a freaking dad. And this has been... Oh, dude, it, it's crazy to even say it. I mean, we've uh, we've been through thick and thin together since basically 7th and 8th grade. And uh, from high school to being roomies to, you know doing all the all the stuff that we've done over the past you know roughly 15 years beyond 15 years and uh and just to kind of see this you know occur over the last three to four years between you know dating and getting married to em and and having a kid tell me about it man what what's uh what's life like on the other side (laughs) dude it it's a crazy life-changing experience i mean more so than getting married because getting married like 
you guys, you're already established as a couple. You kind of know like each other. Obviously, it's a huge learning curve and things like that. But bringing in life into this world is such a crazy thing. It's such a such a crazy experience. And um, I will say that Jameson Jack Pruitt was born on uh, January 11th. He came a little bit early, um, which is fine. Yeah, he came. He came early, and it's. It was. It was. I'll, I'll break down the story. I'll give it to you pretty quick. So. I was really excited about this because uh, it was my company's sales kickoff, and sales kickoffs aren't that fun. It's just a bunch of rah-rah this, rah-rah that, right? And we had an ultrasound because Emily's tummy wasn't growing, so they thought the baby wasn't growing. And had that been the truth, they would have induced her and got got him out just, just because he could grow outside of the womb rather than inside it. So we go that Thursday, and he's fine. He's measuring just normal and we're like oh gosh dang it we were excited for this baby but whatever we'll go home and then that night believe it or not of all things Emily is leaking a fluid and I'm an idiot through this whole process everything I know about pregnancy and birth has come through movies and and I guess this isn't normal what happened to us but usually like the water breaks it's a huge like flush and then you go to the hospital and the baby's born in a few hours um we go to sleep that night because we didn't think much of it, but she was still leaking a little bit um, the next morning. So she calls her mom, and her mom says, why don't you guys just go to the hospital? So I get out of the second day of sales kickoff, and we go to the hospital. And lo and behold, it's amniotic fluid that is leaking. So what they call that is a ruptured sac. So there's a, literally a tear in the sac that Jameson was in. And that means we need to get the baby out because he it, it could be pretty bad if, if you don't. Um but the problem was Emily's body wasn't ready to deliver the baby, meaning like she wasn't dilated or anything like in her body's mind, he was still two weeks away from being born. So the next 30 something hours is us kickstarting oh. Emily's body into labor, which was such a long and grueling process. And, and Berg, it's a cliche to say like, you'll never look at your wife the same after she gives birth to a child, but I have to give, I don't know what the highest shout out we can give on this podcast is maybe like an eternal forever times infinity shout out, but I'm giving that to Emily right now. Um, it was absolutely incredible what she did. Um, she, she took it in stride. We'll call it the junkyard, the junkyard, <laughs> junkyard dog shout out times infinity. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to junkyard dog during labor and shout out to my wife for being a junkyard dog through this. She, she really what she just, she just did what she needed to do, man. And, um, once we finally got things going, um, she she pushed them out really quick. Uh, once we got there, it only took 40 hours to get there. And here's what they don't tell you about a child being born. One, they come out and they're freaking the deepest, darkest purple you've ever seen. Two, their heads are shaped like a freaking football. Like this long... It looked... It looked like the Xenomorph from Alien, if anyone knows what I'm talking about there. That's what my son looked like when he came into this world. Um, it's like a candy yeah, head. His ears are, like, tight against his head. Like, like super, like, paper thin and pressed into his head almost. Like, his ears aren't sticking out at all. Um, his feet were up against his shins, and they're flicking his heels to get those to come back down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this doesn't look like a kid at all. And I recorded this on a GoPro, and I can't show it to anyone because there's some explicit content on there that no one else would want to see. But you see me when he comes out, and I'm just standing there for like five minutes, like completely in shock and awe. And 
then he starts crying, and then his color starts changing. They put a beanie on over his long head so he looks like a baby. And you just have this moment between you and your wife and your child where, I don't know, it's really hard to put into words. You just feel, you feel like immediately this connection to where like, I would literally give my life so you can't feel an ounce of pain. I will do anything I can for you. And I don't know if it's like, we are like biologically programmed that way or if it's just a natural human empathy. I don't know what it is, but something changes in you in that moment and nothing else really matters. It gives you perspective on life immediately to where there's a lot of things that go on in your life that, that shouldn't matter. Like what matters is this, you know what I mean? And it was, it was awesome. And the last month has been incredible. Um, it's been hard. I mean, there's been harder nights, but he sleeps well, he eats well, he poops all the time. Um, I think he's adorable, so that's my birthing story. Shout out to my son. I love you, son. Shout out to my wife. I love you, Emily. Um, yeah, it it's just a long road here on out, but I, I couldn't be happier. Dude, It's it really is insane. I mean, I got to uh, meet him a couple weeks ago and hold him, and it's just like, I don't know. It, it's crazy, dude, just to think, I mean, I don't know. It's it, – it, I, we're, honestly, I don't even know what I'm saying. It really is just insane. That's all I can say. I guess, uh, I mean, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, beyond awesome that everything went well and that he's just a little stud and the M's doing well and that, you know, that uh, that you're a family of three now, dude. And it's just, I, I can't wait to, to watch from afar and, you know, see all the fun stuff that, that a dad and his, his son get to do, you know, growing up. And uh, it's, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. Um, I guess I can be a little more gushy. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I just do want to give Emily another shout out about how natural she's became a mother. Um, this is what she was born to do. And I don't mean that in like a degrading way um, for anything like her being a woman. This is what she's born to do. I mean, like Emily was born to teach a child and, and care for a child. Like her personally is one of the things she was born to do. Um, so shout out to her. I love you, Emily. And yeah, Berg. Shout out to Emily. Let's switch gears here. What's it like on the other side of the fence? Do you got a, a G a G is G? <laughs> What's it like on the other side of the fence? So uh, yeah, the the dating life is is good. You know, honestly, I thought about sharing some dating stories, but some are probably too fresh to uh, to share over the uh, over the interwebs. But you know, on the on the other side of the fence, we talk. Uh, you know, the grass is greener, and it's it's just crazy to see. Like my sister um, just had her first kid, and so I'm I'm an uncle for the first time, and obviously, you know, all of pretty much all of my close friends at this point, uh, minus, minus a couple that are still, uh, that still haven't taken the plunge yet, but pretty much everybody's married now and, you know, having kids and, you know, it's just crazy to, it's just, I mean, 15 short years ago, we were just a bunch of punks and now everybody's got kids and are married and it's, it's just fun to see, man, just how, how people change, but at the same time, how, you know, there's still, I mean, things are still kind of as they were 15 years ago in a way. And it's just, it just makes you think about life and to kind of have, uh, a front row seat to, you know, watching friends get married and have kids. And, you know, it's definitely something I'm excited for when, when the time comes. And I mean, it's the, the, you know, dating will happen. And I know that it's all, it'll all be worth it when, when the right one comes along and, and she agrees and, and all is well. And, you know, in the meantime, I'm just kind of enjoying life and enjoying my friends, enjoying life. So no, no crazy stories or anything like that, but just couldn't be happier for, for uh for everybody that's that's doing their thing yeah um 
it is it is fun to watch. It's fun to watch because, like you said, like the foundation of who you are is pretty much laid when you're 15, 16 years old. And now you just kind of see that same person, but in an adult aspect. And, and one thing about growing up is like, there's never this epiphany or there's never like this defining moment where all of a sudden you're an adult, like you gradually become that person. So you take a lot with you and you just add to yourself as you get older. So it's pretty cool to see where everyone's at, what everyone's like. Um, it's been fun. It's a wild ride, man. And I think that's a good segue into our next new segment. Uh, I don't really have a name for this, Berg, but we're just going to highlight a song. That's that's it. We're just going to choose a song. doesn't matter what genre. It doesn't matter what it's about. Just a song that we like, and we're going to talk about it. And the, the song for the inaugural um, segment piece. There are musical guests. <laughs> <laughs> musical guests of the day. I wish. Yeah, musical guests of the day for us to talk about. Um, the song is Dressed to Kill by Newfound Glory. talking about um what it was like 15 years ago and believe it or not this song turns 20 this year Cole. can you believe that it does man 20 flipping years old um but this song for me it's pretty near and dear to my heart um but while we're talking about it it turns 20 this year um newfound glory just released a new single that's pretty awesome um kind of kept them front of mind for me and then just when i think about like the truest sound of pop punk like if i were to present someone a song that best defines the sound i think i'd give them the song i really do i it's upbeat it's melodic it's about a girl as funny as that sounds um i mean but even down to like the guitar tones that they use like the way the song sounds even it's just quintessentially pop punk um and I remember, I remember listening to this. Newfound Glory self-titled was the first CD I bought for myself because Kent got, he got uh, Blink-182 and I wanted to find my band or whatever. And, and I picked up this song or this this record and I remember listening to it in my blue Phillips Walkman and I'd fall asleep to this every single night. The CD every single night was in there and I'd only make it to track five before I was asleep. But luckily this song is track two and it really shaped me, I think. Or not it alone, but it's one of the songs that really shaped me. I mean, it's a happy-go-lucky song by a happy-go-lucky band i'm a happy-go-lucky guy and yeah i just i just feel like it's a good song um I, I feel like i feel like it's a good song to start on it's the song i'd send if it was pop punk and shout out to uh the music video because rachel lee cook was one of my first crushes because of this song so um yeah what do you feel about it Bert? uh so he was i think she's chad gilbert's also one of uh chad gilbert the obviously the what bassist or not bassist guitarist and uh yeah, he uh, he has a big a big crush on her too. He always wanted her in the video, and then I think uh, they made it happen. Obviously, oh so really? Cool. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, I feel like it is like the epitome of of what made pop punk or what makes pop punk, uh, especially you know in that time frame. You know what it is. Um, it's it is super catchy, just like you said. The the, the chorus, the hooks um, about a girl. It's got some. You know, it's got. It, it really has it all. Um, you think about like the second track of a lot of you know albums from back then, and you feel if you're to summarize a lot of albums by sending one track, a lot of time it is, it kind of is the second track, and that's exactly what uh, what Dress to Kill is, um, and it 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 is newfound glory at the at their best, honestly. And I mean, I don't have a whole lot more than that. It's funny, my story with it is for whatever reason, 
Newfound Glory was the first band that I got into that was pop punk, but it was right after Sticks and Stones came out. And I had somehow I had a couple of like LimeWire recordings from Self Titled, but Dress to Kill wasn't one of them. It was Hit or Miss. It was um, Better Off Dead. I can't remember what else, but ultimately I didn't even actually have access to. I never saw the album like in stores or anything. I always used to buy the CDs. But I never saw it, and so I just never heard it in its entirety till honestly, and this is as a pop punk kid, this is crazy to say it was till like 2015 until I got my hands on the yeah. entire album when I got uh, Apple Music and I could stream it, and uh, I mean it became a mainstay for like six months straight. It's all I listened to, and I mean Dress to Kills, it's a highlight, man, and it's uh, it kind of brought me back. It was like I mean it was hearing the album for the first time as a you know 25 year old instead of a 14 year old and. It was kind of fun, dude, because it was uh, – I mean we always talk about the nostalgic days that we wish bands made music that – you know, we say that we wish bands made music like they made and I think part of it is like the nostalgic factor. But honestly, it still had like that special like early 2000s like kick to it yeah. and so it's fun. We've been going on for a while now. Let's do – we're going to we're gonna wrap things up for everyone today um, with a little Berg's Book Corner Colby, do you have anything you want to talk about? Uh, what are you going to share with me? Enlighten me about things that I do not know in this world. Dude, welcome to the book club. Welcome to Berg's Book Club, everybody. Um, yeah, so I'm actually going to highlight a book that I read. It was actually at the beginning of, of 2019, but I've, I've revisited it again just because it was it was such a good book. And a lot of people out there that maybe listen to like Joe Rogan's podcast or you know any of those other guys' podcasts, you've probably heard of David Goggins at this point. Um, do you know, do you know anything about David Goggins, Kurt? No, I don't. Tell me. So David Goggins is a former Navy SEAL, or uh, he was basically he had to go through SEAL training, like the most intense training um, for the special forces, three times because he one time he broke his leg in the middle of training, the other time he I can't remember what other ha- else happened to him, but he had to go through it three times, and he got through it all three times. Um, before that, he was kind of came from a not a troubled home, but kind of a troubled childhood. Um, you know, he weighed at one point like 290 pounds, and then he lost a ton of weight because he was inspired watching the Rocky, um, watching Rocky train. And uh, he got off his couch and, and went and started running every day. And you know, he he decided he he saw an, uh, a Navy SEAL commercial, um, and right after watching Rocky, and is like, "That's my destiny." And just talks about like his evolution and his mental mindset, and just basically. Um, switching his mentality from like the picked on victim mentality that I think a lot of us have it at some point in life, one, one reason or another. And he became like the ultimate, like I'm going to determine my destiny type guy and uh, make the best of your circumstances type guy. And, and just kind of another Mamba mentality. Like I'm going to win the day no matter what. And so it talks about how he basically his life story about how he started to get, you know, better grades and I don't know it's it's just a crazy story about this dude that um totally reinvented himself and became like he talks about the calloused mindset where he just basically takes himself into like a dark a dark a dark place in his mind and all of a sudden he's running like a hundred miles and winning all these races and doing all this crazy stuff with like broken legs and um talks a little bit about his life as a seal and I'm kind of rambling right here but it really has it all it's first of all it's super entertaining it's pretty heavy. Um, lots of there's lots of crazy stories in there, and uh, I think it's really inspiring as well. And so, um, 
it's, it's definitely not dry. It's not boring. And uh, it's, it's a book that I would recommend to anybody that, that wants a good read that kind of has it all. So it's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. All right, everyone, go stay get hard. Can't Hurt Me. Yeah, stay, stay hard and go get that book, everyone. Um, this was good, Berg. We really needed to do this again. Forget how fun this is. I was really worried that it was going to be a uh, like a train wreck because what people don't know is podcasting is a muscle you continually need to work out, and we haven't we haven't flexed it in a long time. So, but I, I feel like it went well. I'm happy. I think it's a good conversation, guys. Just the Jazz are we're fine right now. Just get off Donnie's back. Berg, anything you want to add? You want to say say your goodbyes, say your pieces, and and hopefully we can get on this soon again. Yeah, shout out to everybody listening. Um, we appreciate uh, all the feedback as always. Let us know your thoughts. Um, it was good to get back at it. Yeah, this isn't like uh, riding a bike, that's for sure. So uh, we're reflecting our, our pot of muscles again, and hopefully we'll have uh, some more episodes coming out relatively consistently as we kind of make our way into playoff season. And um, yeah, man, it's a good time. Thanks for doing it. Yes, good time, guys. All right, everyone. Until next time. Thoughts. Thoughts.